If you've been with us, you know that we are in the book of Romans now, and we've been here for quite a while. We do make a habit of preaching through books of the Bible, not just particular verses from week to week, but through books of the Bible, uh, because we know that that's how we keep things in context. And as we said over the last few weeks, really what, uh, a lot of what's gone on in the book of Romans all the way up to, to chapter 11 has been preparatory for all that's coming after. <laughs> in other words, what Paul is, begins to answer now in these, uh, the chapter that we happen to be in now is chapter, chapter 11, or is it 12? It's chapter 13. <laughs> it's easy to lose track. Uh, chapter 13, basically, from here to the end of the book, he's going to be answering the question, how then shall we live? In other words, how should we live? Because of these things are true that we've already spoken about in this book of Romans. Last week, we began chapter 13 considering what our responsibilities are in re- regard to the governing authorities over us in this world. Uh, and I pray that maybe during this week that we've reflected upon that and maybe it's made a little difference in the manner in which we've conducted ourselves. But we're going to be picking up this morning with, uh, uh, with verse 8 and studying down through verse 14. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And this do, uh, and this do, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. We should have known that Paul would eventually get around to love. Talking about love very often is uncomfortable for people. Uh, Sometimes it makes people squirm a little bit and and that sort of thing. Uh, But I just want to challenge us with the idea this morning that love is so central to the gospel of Jesus Christ that if you take it out of the picture, there is no gospel. It is very important. It's a very important message that we learn. It's an important message that we share with other people. Uh, First and foremost of all, the love that we share with the brethren. Uh, But at the same time, it's the love of God that we share with the rest of the world. 
I just want to do some reading this morning from particular passages uh, in the New Testament in regard to love. Love is something that Jesus spoke a lot about. Love is something that Jesus spoke a whole lot about in that, uh, uh, that night of the Last Supper. Uh, the upper room discourse, as it's called sometimes. Let me just read to you uh, what Jesus says. In regards to love. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and this is after Judas has left. And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love or have love for one another. In chapter 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make, uh, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Uh, uh, verse 27. He will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I live, leave with you and peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, uh, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me to say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. In verse 15, or, or chapter 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandment, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You think about the Apostle Paul. 
In another one of his writings, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, very often called the love chapter. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. For if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I have nothing. If I give all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not uh, rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, and he ends that chapter. So now faith, hope, love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. First John chapter 4, verse 7 and following, Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is the love of God, or in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And that's only a sampling. Obviously, love is very central to the gospel. It's all rooted in the love of God, the most amazing love of all, that God would love sinners like you and like me when he has every reason to do everything but that. So how would people describe you? Would they describe you as a most loving person? There are people in this room I would say that about. But I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't say that about every person in this room. It's not necessarily true that love may not be there, but very often we fight against letting love flow through and shine forth 
We really do. Because loving people does a lot of things, and one of those is it makes us very vulnerable to other people. And none of us likes to be vulnerable to other people. But we just see this command of God over and over and over again. That we would love one another. Sinners are self-lovers. Their own love for self is what drives them in every way. Their self-adoration, their self-love, their mindset that they are the very most important thing that there is. Is what drives them. The love of self. God has given us the the ability to overcome that. By loving us. And loving us for a lot of reasons. But one of those reasons is this. Is that in us and through us, other people would experience the love of God. I'm not so sure that every Christian ought to be very most known above everything else as being a loving person. You notice as we study through the spiritual gifts, love wasn't one of those things mentioned. Why? Because there's a sense in which God gives every believer love, the spiritual gift of loving. We have the capacity, we have the ability, we have hopefully the desire to love people in a way that other people don't even can't. He's, re- he's re- re- not released us, but he's, he's let loose in a sense those reins within us that, that cause us to withdraw into ourselves. Let me just tell you, as an unbeliever, if you'd have asked me the question, even when I was 30 years old, if you would have asked me whether I saw church people as being great, great people of love, my answer would have been, well, maybe some, but for the most part, not much at all. You know, love is something that guys just flat don't like to talk about. Let's just be honest about it. Guys, just one of those things men, for the most part, just don't like to talk about at all. But every one of those apostles was a man. Something that we need to talk about, and it's not only something we need to talk about, it's something we need to do about So how do we do it? What's interesting here 
that Paul jumps to the Ten Commandments. Some of those Ten Commandments. Those commandments that have to do with our relationship with each other. And basically, Paul's doing nothing other than doing what Jesus did by summarizing the Ten Commandments into two commandments. When he called the greatest commandment, that was to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. And the number two, and this is what Paul is addressing here, is number two is loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Remember, we talked about this early on in the book of Romans, and that is this, and that, you know, we, we always, uh, you know, we will summarize a lot of te- uh, Jesus' teaching very often as do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. And the reality is this, is that this is one of the greatest arguments for the sinfulness of man, that there's a sinful nature in people. And that is that plain logic tells you that. Forget about everything else. That why would you ever want to do something to someone else that you would not want them to do to you? Do we really need Jesus to tell us that? I guess we do, because he did. But it should be obvious to anybody and everybody. It's one of the greatest arguments for the sinful nature of mankind that we don't do what is logical and reasonable and right in your face. Shall love your neighbor as yourself. I guess ultimately you could say that a synopsis of sin overall is basically this, is it makes us self-lovers. We love self above everybody else. We love self above everything else. When you become a believer, that's no longer you. We are in a different place. So who is your neighbor? How did Jesus answer that question? He didn't say Fred and Sally who live next door to me. (laughs) He gave us the parable of the Good Samaritan. That anyone and everyone that's in need is your neighbor. Anyone and everyone. What is your chief vocation as a believer? What do you think that would be? Your vocation, your job. You need to understand that being a Christian, you've been given a job, in a sense. God doesn't call anyone to himself just to sit and vegetate and do nothing. 
There is no place in the Bible for people sitting around and just waiting for Jesus to come back and not doing anything in the process or in the meantime. Being a Christian means action. It means activity. I would imagine most Christians would say, well, my central vocation, if you really want to get down to you know, the, the details, would be this, would it be to share the gospel with people. I mean, we understand this, that evangelism is part of our profession as Christians, right? Now, some people are more gifted in evangelism than other people are and all that, but at the same time, every one of us as a believer is given responsibility for evangelism. So how do we do that? One of the principal and primary ways is to just share the love of Christ with this world around us. And let me tell you, we can talk about it all the time, and we need to talk about it. But it's a kind of love that actually has to, to, to evolve into doing something. And what, what Paul says here in verse 10 is that, is, is that love is the very basis of the law. It's what the law is based upon. If you want to know what it looks like to love someone, don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Etc., etc., etc. Remember, we're talking about here how then shall we live? We know that Christ is coming back, and this is what Paul's alluding to in these final verses of this particular chapter. Is that we're in a time now when Jesus is coming, but there will be time when Jesus will actually do that. And our vocation between the time of his ascension into heaven and the time we came to faith and the time that he returns, our vocation is spreading the gospel. How do we do that? We cannot do it apart from the love of Christ. The only appropriate reason for sharing the gospel is because you love other people. Let me tell you, if you share the gospel with people out of what is obviously obligation, they will smell it a mile away. If you're just going through the motions, you're telling them what you know you've got to tell them, and you're doing it in a, a callous kind of non-loving manner, do you think it's going to really accomplish a whole lot? It might, might make you sleep better the night, that night thinking, well, I was faithful to God today because I shared the gospel with somebody.
but the, the manner in which the message is given is just as important, maybe more important than the message itself. When you really share the gospel some, with someone, one of the messages that should, should come, clear, come through very clearly, and that is this, you're doing what you're doing because you care about them. I can remember years ago, I heard this illustration, and I would never have the guts to do this, but I hats off to the pastor who did. This was in an evangelical uh, church somewhere in South America. I think it was in Chile. I don't know for certain. It's been a long time ago since I've, I actually heard this pastor giving this illustration. But this new pastor had been called to this large uh, evangelical church in South America. And he was, he was Latin. I'm not sure where he was from uh, and all of that. But uh, went to service the first day, the first Sunday morning. Rejoiced with the saints and the singing of the hymns and the praying and this, that, and the other. And it came time for him to preach his sermon. He got up. And what he said was this. Love one another. And he sat down. Well, you can imagine he was the talk of the church that week, and people were just kind of wondering what was going on here. You know, they, they were paying this guy probably a pretty good amount of money and this, that, and the other, and he'd, he'd come there to whatever. We hired this guy to preach. He needs to preach. The next Sunday, everybody came there really hopeful. Guess what he did? Exactly the same thing. And this went on for weeks. And you can imagine half the congregation was already ready to oust the guy after the first week. And that percentage was growing as week after week after week unfolded. And finally, finally, after weeks, one of the people in the congregation spoke up to everyone else and said, You know what? I think he's trying to tell us we need to do something. And they started really loving each other. And he started preaching more. But I don't think sometimes we understand how central this is to all of it. It's all about love. It's all about God's love for sinners. It's all about our love for each other because there is this brotherly love that we have for one another. There are people in this room that I love with all my heart. But there's also love that goes beyond that. The love of Christ oozing into the darkness of this ugly and wicked and evil world. It is the only thing that has ever made the difference for anybody. It is the only thing that will ever ultimately make the difference for anybody. We are conduits. Every one of us. A conduit through which the love of God moves out 
to this dark place. Jesus hasn't come yet, but he will. He will. Till that time comes, we have a job. We have a vocation. To share the love of Christ to an unbelieving world that hates him. But nonetheless, that is my calling. That is your calling. It's the calling of every Christian that has ever breathed air. Every Christian that will ever breathe air. This world needs a lot of things. needs God more than anything else. But very often, it's first introduction to the God who really is. It's through the love of a person like you and me. It was true for me, and I would be willing to bet a million bucks it was true for just about everybody in this room. You were a believer in part because there were other people who cared enough about you, who loved you enough to tell you about Jesus. Be that person for somebody else. Amen.